How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, hey, how are you, Hey, hey, baby. Uh, you still excited over Team Canada winning, eh, bud? Oh, that was so fun. Oh, it was. Before we go into the episode, we're going to give a congratulations, Team Canada winning the 2018 World Junior Hockey Championships. Hey, all right. So you know what that means, Tim? Yeah. 2019, we're going to be the defending champs. At home. At home, too, of all places. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently the tournament just didn't... They had problems getting butts and seats in Buffalo, so maybe it'll be a more packed house this time around as well. Honestly, I think it's because you couldn't buy single tickets. You had to buy the full packages. Oh. And because I looked into the tickets for the World Juniors this coming Christmas, and uh-huh. you can't buy single tickets. You can only buy the full packages. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, that's what I said to my dad. I was like, you know, maybe that's why these buildings are half full, because you're not allowed to buy single tickets. If you could buy single tickets, those games would have sold out like nothing. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, now yeah. that I've got that out of the way, bud, how's your week been going? I really haven't... We haven't really talked, have we, over this the past week? Not really. It's just, uh, at work, it's been one of those sorts of weeks where it's, uh, you have to spend a whole lot of time on a lot of minutiae on the hope that something might work. Okay, so you're not flying around, stuff like that this week? No, no, no. Although we will, Chelsea and I will be going to Toronto in a few weeks' time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you got a work convention or something going on there? No, Chelsea is going to be, uh, going to UAT for a recruitment event. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go along with her to play moral support, and uh, there's also an alumni event at UOT that I'm going to go to. All right on, man. So I'm excited. Well, that's good to hear. On my end, not a whole lot to go on, really. Uh, It's been sort of a busy week. My first week back since Christmas break, so that's been kind of hectic. Other than that, I can't really complain. Although there was one fun development on the meme front. Oh, yeah? Have you heard of Ugandan Knuckles? I have never heard of this, no. You've got to tell me about it. Okay, so it's this dumb video that uh, cropped up a few days ago that really kicked this thing off, but uh, do you know what VR chat is? Virtual reality. Yeah, so it's an application for like Oculus Rift and stuff that allows users to give themselves custom skins and just chat with each other. Okay, is it kind of like the PlayStation iToy? Sort of. But what ended up happening was, so a bunch of these guys went to this chat room uh, dressed up as a retarded-looking Knuckles from Sonic the Hedgehog. Aww. Uh While talking in crappy African accents, going like, You do not know the way. Do you know the way? You do not know the way. And just, like, wrecking everyone's time, and it's just hilarious to watch. Oh, uh, I gotta look that up now. Yeah, you got the Knuckles. Because I know the, the big development I saw on social media was that you were trying to look for... The Steam Tams segment from The Simpsons. Oh God! Friday night, I literally spent like three, like two hours just looking up Steam Tam. 
remixes. And holy crap, there are so many, and most of them are so good. If you want to find some really good shit posts, follow Four Finger Discount on Facebook. They post some really good ones on there. Mm-hmm. Like, have you seen the ones where, like, they'll take the steamed ham skit, but edit out one of Seymour Skinner or uh, the superintendent? Yep. Yeah, I have seen those. They're amazing. Oh, I know. They're so good. Even the quotes from that episode, like when uh, Superintendent Chalmers is looking at the burger and he goes, you know, Seymour, you call these steamed hams, yet these are clearly grilled. (laughs) Or, you're trying to tell me. That the Aurora Borealis is localized in this place, in this yeah. time, in <laughs> your kitchen. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. yeah, you see it? No. Oh. <laughs> Seymour, the house is on fire. No, mother, that's just the northern lights. And I love how it's like he's so skeptical that Seymour just says yes. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to go back and rewatch it after we record tonight. Oh, and then there's another one I found where it was, uh, have you ever played the Ace Attorney video games? I haven't, no. So it's like, basically you're playing as a lawyer, right? So okay. they did a steamed hams in the style of uh, Ace Attorney. So like, oh, that game! I haven't played it, but I definitely have seen gameplay footage of it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so they go through and they set it up. So the way the Ace Attorney stories usually go is that uh, you see the crime happen, then you help, uh, you help the main character, usually Phoenix Rider, Apollo Ace, kind of pull everything together and then you start uh questioning and cross-questioning and examining evidence so they put uh superintendent chalmers in the role of the lawyer so someone comes up with like an internal monologue for chalmers written in text oh my god you gotta show me this now i'm so intrigued it's so good yeah send it to me on facebook after we're done tonight oh we'll have to retweet it on the show's twitter too absolutely Speaking of the show, Tim, did you get a chance to listen to last week's episode? Uh, no. Unfortunately. I got a chance to listen to it. It was not too bad. It wasn't as good as the week previous when you and I were both in studio, but mm-hmm. I felt it was pretty well done regardless. Yeah, and I was pretty happy with the people kind of popping back in. Oh, for sure. I didn't even really realize we had that many views on soundcloud until you brought it up yeah it's definitely a lot more encouraging than eight or nine yeah (laughs) well hopefully we can get to 15 tim because this episode is season one episode 15 and you know what that means all-star danny heatley fucking right fucking all-star fucking danny heatley yeah danny fucking heatley score 50 fucking goals you know oh you know guys I've been watching a lot of that guy's videos, too. Actually, I've been watching a ton of Brian 5 or 6. Yeah, he's pretty good on Twitter. Have you seen some of the people who watch his content? No. Mike Hoffman watched a video of his. Uh, the mayor of Ottawa watched a video of it. <laughs> That's funny. And it's just, like, flailing around screaming it. Like, the mayor of Ottawa is just sitting there like, yes, this is good. <laughs> actually you know what's funny tim i was on when i was on soundcloud the other day looking at our show i found the ottawa senator soundcloud page uh-huh we seriously i think we have more listens than they do oh geez yeah because i think they had like 12 13 listens on their episodes and we had like 14 well i remember i watched like 
listened to the first episode and then I've just never seen it marketed again. Which the sense? Yeah, the sense sound like the sense podcast. No, I'm not talking their podcast. It's like uh, post game scrum interviews with the players. Oh, weird. Yeah, I haven't heard any of their episodes. Are they any good? I heard one, and I think we talked about this. Uh, remember, I didn't like the guy because he used way too many sound clips. Oh yes, that's right. And then I brought up played a that, sound clip. Yeah, then I played a sound clip. That's right. Because <laughs> of course you did. Of course I did. Well, Tim, now that we've gotten how our week's been going and last week's episode out of the way, let's segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Much like last week, Tim, unfortunately, we got to start off with another death. Former NHL referee Bruce Hood passed away at age 81. Hood worked 1,100 games over 21 seasons. Now, this guy's career is something else because he worked some of the most memorable games in NHL history, including the 1984 playoff brawl between the Montreal Canadiens and Quebec Nordiques, which has been dubbed the Good Friday Massacre. However, he will be best remembered for refereeing Game 4 of the 1970 Stanley Cup Finals, which is best remembered for Bobby Orr flying through the air after scoring the OT winner. Hood oh, wow. retired in 1984 and got into the travel business, eventually becoming president of the Association of Canadian Travel Agents. Huh. He also authored two books and tried his hand at politics with the Liberal Party, where he lost a tight race in the writing of Wellington Halton Hills in the 2004 federal election. Talk about a friggin' renaissance, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no kidding. Well, he had a hell of a career. Like, that's that's just so cool. Yeah, and this is one of these stories that I only noticed it because I was here watching one of the Sens games this week, and I was like, Bruce Hood. That's kind of cool. And then they're, they're telling about the Good Friday Massacre and the 1970s Finals. I'm like, wow, this guy's really been a part of history. Yeah, and then he goes off and tries his hands at other stuff, like, well, even becoming, like, a head of an industry association is a pretty impressive feat in its own right. Yeah, that's nothing to sniff at, man. Yeah, no. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. As sad as it is for the guy to die, you have to appreciate that he had a life well lived. Yeah, but you know what? It's always in death where your accomplishments are best remembered and treasured. Mm-hmm. So this story I was telling you about after we recorded last week, USA Today's Adam Tambury broke a story regarding former NHLer Eric Nystrom, who had filed a lawsuit against his former employer, the Nashville Predators, due to three specific incidents in which he was injured while a member of the Predators. These injuries left him temporarily and totally disabled for a period of time, and he he also has a permanent partial disability as well. At the time of the story, the Predators had no comment. Yeah, it's... that's interesting. You have to wonder what exactly happened at the time. Because at this point, it's just a discovery phase, so... Jeez, that's brutal. But you know what, though? And we were talking about this off the air last week. You know, with all the stories about these former NHL enforcers who've gotten into drug addiction and all the problems they're going against, we can easily put this... We can pin this against the NHLPA because where were they in all of this as well? Well, that's their job, is to protect the players. Yeah. Like, this story in particular, though, it's like... I think at this point, it's like... I wouldn't be surprised if this comes out to, as a black eye on the PA, but who really knows what the hell they did? On top of everything else that's going against the PA right now. Yeah, no kidding. So, Tim, you know as Ottawa Senators fans, we got to take the good with the bad. 
This week's episode, the good is that we actually won more than one game. Hey! The bad news... We almost got Taylor Hall. Now, you know TSN, the worst? I know. TSN's Darren Dreger is reporting that a trade between the Edmonton Oilers and Ottawa Senators back in 2016 fell through due to Eugene Melnick's unwillingness. The trade would have been a one-for-one deal that would have seen the Oilers acquire Cody Cece and the Ottawa Senators acquiring Taylor Hall. Reports stated that the trade was worked out, however, Melnick did not approve the trade, when, which helped New Jersey to land Hall instead. It was Cece for Hall one-for-one. One. Yep. God Can you imagine if this story it. had broke during the the outdoor game weekend when when all with the shitstorm against Melnick was happening? He would have been lynched. Oh my god, it would have been brutal. They would have probably they would have hung him at Parliament Hill. Yeah, no kidding. But it's insane because like Or Confederate Park. Yeah. Hell, they would have taken Dundonald Park. Just find a place to hang the guy, but uh like the fact that Dorian was pretty much able to pull that off is highway freaking robbery. I know. Now I know that we always complain about Cody Cece here on the show. And can you imagine if he had gone to the Oilers and everything that he has done happened in Edmonton with that media, and it would have been well known to everybody. Oh, he would have been. Ju- it would have been worse. I think he would have been in a worse position than Justin Schultz. Yeah, because. I mean, he kind of, no, not a lot of people really realize everything about Cody Cece in Ottawa because he is sheltered with Toronto and Montreal, sandwiched with us sandwiched in between them. But yeah, if this happened in Edmonton, all the shit would have hit the fan for Cody. Oh, for sure. And I do feel terrible for the flack he gets for, well, being in over his head. But yeah, it would have been, ins- like, imagine Mark Spector or... Uh... Mathers, Jim Matherson just tearing into the guy when he's forced into a top si- like a top four or even top two role that well he would have been forced into a top two role. Oh, for sure. That he just was not. He's not ready for. No, and, and imagine if someone like Hoffman had gone to Edmonton and he got on a dry streak, the fans and the media would have torn him apart as well. Yeah. But then again, it just goes to show you how brutal of a GM Shirelli has been. Like, if he was willing to do CC for Hall one for one, like, that would have been the clearest winner of a trade that season. Yeah, I often wonder how different the Oilers would look with CC instead of Adam Larson. Well, I think they'd be worse. Because Adam Larson is a legitimately good player. Like, he, I think he can grow into that top role. And like Larson and Sakara is a legit is a fairly strong pairing. I'm not sure if it's a strong first line pairing or like an, a one A one B sort of pairing. Right. But yeah, Sakara and Larson's probably not that bad. Like I don't think any team would sniff at that as their second line. I'm no. not sure if it's first line though. Well, you know what, Tim? Next week we're going to be talking about our mid season predictions, so we'll definitely have to talk more about this. Hmm. So let's go on to our next story. We have another Oilers story. This is hard hey. to believe. Francesca Van Gaal, girlfriend of Edmonton Oilers player Patrick Maroon, published a message on her social media regarding threats and harassment she received following Maroon's hit on LA Kings defenseman Drew Doughty that got Maroon suspended two games. She later revealed that the people who sent the messages were fans of the Edmonton Oilers and not the LA Kings, as one would expect. 
Well, we already know that Edmonton as a city sucks. Yeah, and I know when uh, Jim, when I saw Jim Jeffries in Victoria, he made a joke about he was watching the thirty for thirty on the Gretzky trade, mm-hmm. and he's talking about uh, you know he I can't understand why people are going oh well I can't believe Gretzky would want to leave Edmonton. Let me do you a favor. <laughs> I'll show you a fucking picture of Edmonton and show you a picture of Los Angeles. Where would you rather be out of those two? Yeah, no freaking kidding. No, like, of course I cleaned Calgary. it up a little bit, but, you know, you got the gist of it. Yeah, it's... But at the same time, like, why the hell are people messaging her? What's she supposed to do? Not bone him until he stops doing dumb things? I don't know. That's like if... Eric Carlson came back after his ankle surgery and everybody went after his wife. Yeah, but that's so low that, well, you should, A, you shouldn't be sending death threats to anybody. Like, what the fuck? Second, she has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Her boyfriend's her own man. He can be a big boy. Yeah. Now, I understand this is not like when the Oiler fans went after Janet Jones after the Gretzky trade. However, I mean, this is still pretty gutless for for the Oilers fans. Yeah. Well, it's amazing what the internet will let people to get away with. Yep. God dang. Well, let's go to our next story. IIHF President Rene Fazel has begun this push to have the NHL allow players to play in the 2022 Winter Games in Beijing. Fazel stated that his mission is to have the best players in the world playing in the Olympics. However, he did point to the upcoming labor negotiations between the NHL and the NHLPA as a make or break for the Olympics as their contract expires in 2022. Now, I now look, I have a very simple solution to this problem. If you want to send the players to the Olympics, you can do that. However, you would have to call the young the guys from the minors up to fill those spots for a couple of weeks. So if you do that, think about it. The NHL doesn't have to stop. These players get to play for their countries. Everybody wins. Although I wonder how many people would go to those games if they're uh, too busy watching Team Canada. That's a good point. However, and I mentioned this to my dad. I was like, look, there's only a handful of teams that would this would really affect. Chicago is one. Pittsburgh is one. L.A. is one. Montreal is one because of Carey Price. And who else? Tampa. Tampa Bay would be the other one. Well, Tampa would get, like, demolished. Well, so would Chicago. Think about it. Yeah. Taves, Kane, Seabrook, Keith. Pittsburgh would lose Crosby, Malkin. Letang. Letang. Matt Murray. Yeah. Vegas would be actually no even Vegas would probably lose a lot of people like Masher Schultz would go to Germany Fleury would probably be on Team Canada you know what I really doubt that Fleury would make the Olympics I think Matt Murray would have been the better option because you could have had Carey I, I mean I don't necessarily think Corey Crawford's a great goalie but he would probably be there and you could have Matt Murray I don't know Fleury's season this year has been like once he came back from injury he's been rock solid the only knock against flurry has been his contract honestly i have no more to really talk about this do you want me to go into the next story yep all right colorado avalanche retired milan hayduke's number 23 before their game against the minnesota wild hayduke spent his entire career with the avalanche where he scored 375 goals 430 assists for 805 points in 1020 games 
between the 1998-99 season and the 2003 shortened season. It's in, like, there's all these players that you don't, like, you don't realize did some incredible things. And Hayda's one of them. Let's talk about Colorado for a minute, because, now, they're just, I feel that they're just retiring numbers willy-nilly in Colorado. Now, a few of them are very obvious. The Sackix, Patrick Waz, uh, who else? Forsberg. Forsberg. But then you have guys like Adam Foote. Like, is Adam Foote really that great to retire his number? I understand he played in the Olympics, and he may or may not have played in a couple All-Star games, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but he wasn't around for the good times. No, he was. No, he, uh, oh, Adam, he was? Foote, Adam okay. Foote was on both those teams, yeah. Both the cup teams. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Well, maybe they're just in a rush to build history. Maybe. No, I, no. look, I understand Milan Hayduk was on the 2001 cup-winning team, and he was the captain for a couple of years there near the end of his career. So maybe that's why they're putting him in. And 805 records. points is nothing to sniff at either. Oh, absolutely not. And I think he was a late draft pick, if I'm not mistaken, in 94? Mm-hmm. Not like Alfredson low, or low pick, but low pick. Yeah. I don't know, I... Like I think within the team, it's not too bad. It's not like he's in a Hall of Fame or anything. I don't. I don't see him as a Hall of Famer. No. If he did end up there, that'd be weird. Yeah. So Tim, we only have one signing to talk about this week, and it's this one: the New York Islanders. They re-signed defenseman Scott Mayfield to a five-year extension. Now, at the time of this con, at the time of the story breaking, financial terms were not disclosed. Mayfield had two goals, eight assists for 10 points in 29 games for the Islanders so far this season. Hmm. I've never heard of this guy. What, Alma Toya? No, Scott Mayfield. Oh. No, I've never heard of this guy either. Well, while we're talking about Alma Toya, Tim, the Edmonton Oilers acquired goalie El Montoya from the Montreal Canadiens for a conditional fourth round pick in 2018. Montoya went two for one with a 3.77 goals against average and a .863 save percentage with the Canadians this season. What the hell is going on with the Canadians backup goalies? I know. Like they've all been ass. Well, fuck. They have Andy Niemi right now as their backup. Well, he was ass in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah. I definitely remember that. He was a, what a 700 save percentage there. Yeah. They let him go after two games. <laughs> brutal well i have to wonder it's just like what the hell's going on with like their goalie coaching or anything really yeah yeah that montreal team it's i almost feel like they're in a worse place than the senators yeah because at least ottawa has talent on the roster where montreal if you take Carey price and to a certain extent match max Pacioretty out of the lineup like who does montreal really have well, I guess you have Jonathan Drouin, but he's not... Like, even Bergevin admitted he's not a center. No. No, I don't know like, why they're playing him at center. Because they have no one else. Like, yeah, that team has been brutally mismanaged. Like, at least Ottawa was just brutally unlucky. I'm literally like, shaking a, my head. I, of, I don't know what to say about Montreal anymore. Yeah, like, Ottawa is a mix of brutal, brutally bad luck and Anderson and Condon both going cold at the same time. And injuries. And injuries. However, our guys are coming back healthy now, so 
Hopefully yeah. the dark days are behind us. Yeah, let's hope. Yep. So let's finish off top of the hour with an all-star game story. Now the NHL released some news regarding the NHL all-star game. News inc- included who got voted to be captain. Now, there were four captains. Steven Stamkos was voted for the Atlantic. Alexander Vechkin for the Metropolitan Division. P.K. Subban for Central. And Connor McDavid for the Pacific Division. And also photos of the jerseys were also released. Now, I had a look at these jerseys, and the Atlantic and Metro have a blue-gray-yellow look to them. I personally like the Central Pacific ones, personally, because they are black and red, and they remind me a lot of the old-school All-Star game jerseys from the 1980s. Huh. I don't know. I guess I don't really care enough about the All-Star game anymore, so I haven't really checked. No, it's sort of, it's like an outdoor game. I, I just don't care about it. Except for, like, the first time they did the three-on-three tournament. I haven't cared because there's just no real reason to care. No, and like, I, I guess. And we talked. And I talked about it here on the show, right? I've said the All Star Game is not worth watching. It's like watching the NBA All Star Game or the MLB All Star Game. It's the skills competitions where it's where it's at. It's mm-hmm. like the slam dunk competition, the home run derby, what they do in the NHL with the skills competition. That's the stuff that is interesting, and I like watching that. But yeah. The All-Star game, I really have not sat down to watch it in years because it's a glorified pawn hockey game out there. Yeah. Well, I guess the one thing they did well is remember all those years, like the like two years ago when it was the John Scott controversy? Yes. I think that was the only one I watched the last several years. Yeah, and that he was having the time of his life out there. It was hilarious. Oh, I know. It was so great. And then he got a Gordie Howe hat trick. Yes, that was awesome. In an all-star game, and I was just like, what? <laughs> and then he almost got a real hat trick? Yes, I do remember that. That was awesome. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is what happens when you let a guy go have fun. Oh, I know. It was so great. Yeah. Wow. Do you know they're actually movie- making a movie based on that now? Really? Yeah. The NHL needs storylines like that to make the All-Star game interesting. Oh, for sure, Tim. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the hour for this week. It's time to head on to the games. We got three games to talk about. The Sens versus the Detroit Red Wings, Sens versus the Sharks, and the Sens versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. All right, Tim, it's time to start talking about the games of the week. And we're going to start off with the first game of the week. Sens versus the Detroit Red Wings. This was a 2-1 Red Wings overtime victory. Sens goals were scored by Ryan DeSingle. Detroit goals were scored by Andreas Athasiu with two. Shots were 35-30 for the Red Wings. Athanasiu gets on the board first for Detroit to make it 1-0 after scoring on a rebound. Bobby Ryan almost scored to tie it. However, it hit the post. Ryan DeSingle scores to tie it up for Ottawa after Del- Darren Helm lost the puck in his feet. Anderson stops a Theodou, on a penalty shot. Jimmy Howard later robbed Eric Carlson of a great with a great save. Athanasiu, Athanasiu, fuck, I hate this guy. Athanasiu scores in overtime to win it for Detroit. Yeah, so overall this is a game where Ottawa was not able to close up the center ice and kept getting burnt by Detroit's speed. And 
you can kind of see it that a lot of Ottawa shots are there coming from not great places. And uh, every time Detroit really had the puck, they looked pretty darn dangerous. One thing that I saw that happened during the game that really is a harbinger of what was to come for the rest of the week was uh, Detroit was on the power play. And through great hard work by Tom Pyatt, he managed to draw a penalty off of uh, the Detroit power play. And then for over one and a half minutes, Ottawa played keep away. I think I saw that on YouTube when I was watching the highlights because, and I said this to you a couple days ago, I didn't get a chance to watch this game because it was my first day back at work and I had to work super late that night. Mm-hmm. Well, what's hilarious about this is Hoffman decides if he wants to go for the five-on-five rush, but then he looks at the clock, and he, you could just see his face was like, his face read, it's time to be a dick. And him and Broussard just start passing the puck around, and then Carlson kind of, gets it on it. I was going to so say, Tim, the, Tim, is it kind of like when Boucher was in Tampa Bay playing the Flyers that one time, and was it Philadelphia that they just yeah. had the, the puck and they just passed it amongst each other? Yeah, and then Philly didn't even bother to attack them. Yes, yeah, because that's what, what I was, was thinking about. funny this time is Detroit just wanted to get the puck. And they couldn't touch the Senators at all. Really? Yeah, it was phenomenal to watch the passing. Like, it makes you realize just the insane amount of talent that Ottawa has. And it's insane that a team that is that talented has gone on such a lengthy streak of poor play. Yeah, but you know what, Tim? We said here in the show, when you have... Inconsistent goaltending, injuries, and all that stuff. Like, it's going to catch up to any team that has that. And the other thing is, I think we can throw weird coaching decisions in, too, because, like, even the first goal, it's, like, Thompson just threw it into Carlson's feet, and Gabriel Dumont had fallen over somewhere, and so he was immediately out of the play. Carlson had to try and do something. Because either way, Anthony Sia was getting that puck. And then, like... Outside of Carlson and Shabbat, this Detroit game is the last time we saw the Carlson Oduya pairing as a major facet. Right. And Oduya was really holding Carlson back because he had to make like Carlson couldn't be creative or else he was going to get victimized. Is it kind of like uh, Dion when he plays with CC? Kinda. Although Dion's been slow up the past few games. I understand that he's been suffering from a back injury that I don't think he's. Re- Covered from. Yeah, that's why I've heard. Who knows, maybe uh, him being put into LITR hell might be better than, uh, like, the good old loophole contract situation might be better for Ottawa than just trading it as a salary dump somewhere. Maybe. Actually, a funny thing was, Bobby Ryan was so close to putting the puck in the net so many times on that in that Detroit game that I started keeping a tally of Bobby Ryan rolling his eyes. Okay, what we was the over-under? <laughs> How many times? Three. Three? Yeah. Not bad. Do you want to talk overtime? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we can talk a little bit about it. Well, I guess it. we can't spend that much time on it what because it only existed for six seconds. Yeah, well, you know, one of these games coming up. About the same. Yeah, it was just... The weird thing is the Sens won it cleanly. Anthony, to see you beat the puck to Carlson, and in the back of the net it went. 
Yeah, I think it's the second fastest goal in OT, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was tied for fastest. Yeah, because I think the record is six seconds, correct? Yeah. Yeah, not really much to say about that game. The last thing is, you kind of saw the end of the Oduya Carlson pairing and the beginning of the Carlson Shabbat pairing. That pairing is going to be absolutely deadly when Shabbat gets full time minutes. Oh, no kidding. And I think we should talk about how deadly that pairing really was two nights later. Sens versus the Sharks. This was a 6-5 Senators overtime victory. Sens goals were scored by Matt Duchesne with two, Ryan DeSingle, Mark Stone, Derek Brizard, and Mike Hoffman. Sharks goals were scored by Thomas Hurdle with two, Melker Carlson, Chris Teneri, and Brent Byrne. Shots were 43-35 Ottawa. San Jose, for most of this game, dominated the Senators on the score sheet, making it 5-2 Sharks by the end of the second period. Ottawa's overall compete level was quite high, and, and they never gave up. They went from being down 5-2 to two to tying it at 5 in the third period and capping it with Matthew Shane scoring 7 seconds into overtime. Boy, what a game this was, Tim. I'm still so excited over this. Well, what's interesting about this game is uh, it looked like, like after the Melker-Carlson goal, it looked like Ottawa had kind of given up. Yeah, and you know what? If I had watched this game live, I probably would have turned it off too after 5-2. to two. But since I'd watched it once I got home from work, I kept going because I knew that we ended up winning it. Because mm-hmm. it's but funny, th- like I was at work looking at my phone, like ah fuck, all right, we're up, we're now five to three. I put my phone in my pocket, go do some stuff, come back. Holy fuck, we're tied at five. We actually won it. Oh my god! And Duchesne scoring two goals. Oh, I know that. You know what, Tim? I know you. We were talking about the Shabbat Carlson pairing. How about Duchesne and Hoffman? Like, they are on for three goals. Is that four goals? Four goals? Yeah, they were on for an insane amount of points that night. Like, they did well. Oh, I know. I really don't think we should break this duo up. I think we should keep playing them together. Yeah, Shabbat Carlson plus Hoffman, Duchesne, Ryan looks like a solid freaking line, dude. Oh, I know. It's such a good line. Plus, Dezingle, Brassard, Stone has been lethal too, hey? Oh, I know. Ryan Dezingle absolutely has impressed me over the last couple of games with some of his play. Because he looks like a seasoned veteran out there with the patience and some of the moves that he's been making. Well, now that he's finally got the shooting percentages going his way, he's probably going to have a 25-goal season. Did you see on Twitter, on our Twitter page that I put up... That the Ottawa Senators, they had mentioned they were in practice today, and the fire alarm went off. <laughs> so I commented, I said, oh, it's probably just Ryan Dezingle walking into the building with a hot play. Oh, no kidding. But uh, Ryan Dezingle's another guy that nobody expected to be an NHL bona fide. Like, he was picked up in the seventh round, like, and he, he's just been developed very well. And... A lot's been said about Ottawa's poor drafting in the second and third rounds. Right. But Ottawa's been lights out in the late rounds. Yeah, when you look at guys like Mike Hoffman, Mark Stone, Ryan Dezingle. Like, that's insane. Alfie. Alfie. Another thing to note is, uh, as dynamite as the Shabbat-Carlson line has been, we have to talk about the FNFCC line. Uh, again, we actually got to oh. talk about them. Cody CC was on the ice for all five goals against. 
And you know what, Tim? I put this in my notes, too. I said that the usual sex suspects for the Senators looked awful again. Dion, Aduya, CC. However, I felt that the overall team compete level and overall play from guys like Duchesne, Hoffman, Dezingle, Shabbat, in my personal opinion, absolutely made up for this. Oh, for sure. When Ottawa's best players are playing, it's phenomenal. One guy who did look phenomenal was Craig Anderson. I thought he looked pretty terrible in this game. Now, I understand the defense didn't exactly help him out on some of these goals, and the one goal, I believe it was the second hurdle goal, when he had that fluky wraparound and it banked off a stick and in. Yeah. But that one's almost classic for uh, Anderson at this point. (sighs) All right. Let's talk about the overtime, Tim. This is beautiful. Oh, my God, I know. And even listening to Chris Cuthbert with that call, so good. Because even he made a mention, he goes, wait a minute, can they do it? They did! Seven seconds! It almost redeems the game in Detroit. Oh, it 100% redeemed that. Now, had we scored in six seconds... It would have been full redemption. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Let's move on to the next big game, shall we? Yes, let's do that. Lightning versus Senators. This is a 6-3 to three Senators victory. It's so good when the Sens actually win more than one game and we're doing know. episodes. Sens goals were scored by Ryan Dezingle with two, Matt Duchesne, Zach Smith, Mark Stone, and Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Lightning goals were scored by Victor Hedman, Slater Cuckoo, and Yanni Gordy. Shots were 48-33 for the Lightning. Ottawa and Tampa came up flying and played quite physical against each other. However, the tempo of the game changed from speed to overall physicality as both teams started to take a number of penalties throughout the game. Now, if you're basing this game on the score, on the box score, Tampa Bay looked to outplay the Senators. However, they really only outplayed them in the second period. But other than that, it seemed like it was a back and forth game. I would even, I'd even give a bit more credit to the Senators because they jumped on a Tampa Bay team that wasn't awake. And got three quick, easy goals. Now, keep in mind, Tim, I also was not really awake when I was watching this game. I I finished it at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, I'm delirious. No, here it is. 1.42 a.m. That's when I finished writing this up. Oh, jeez. But uh, all of those goals were freaking beautiful. Like, Ottawa takes two dumb penalties to open up the game. But solid penalty killing by by the Ottawa special teams. And then it, immediately after that special teams play, we got that beautiful steal by Stone, who puts the puck right onto Dezingle's stick in the net. Oh, I know. I like the fact that Dezingle and Duchesne were both on the slot when they scored. I think this is something that Ottawa should start focusing more on, is getting shots from in the slot, because whenever they've taken shots in there, it goes in. Yeah, and like they have a lot of... They've got a lot of big top six guys who can move so just maybe net like net crashing is never a bad idea one thing i noticed is uh ben harper actually looked quite good uh Funny there enough, were a few I didn't times even where notice him out there pardon i didn't notice ben harper out there there's one play in particular where uh dumont was doing his usual falling down right and left ben harper high and dry Ben Harper was able to separate uh, Kucherov from the puck, grab the puck, and push it to the corner. Like, that's nuts. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Ben Harper get sent back down to Belleville? I believe he did. 
because Borvietsky will be healthy. Yeah, I think I saw today, if I'm not mistaken, that he is cleared for contact and practice. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it would be Harper. I, I would be very hard-pressed to see if it's actually... If they want to screw with the fans and be like, ah, we'll send Shabbat down. Nobody will notice. I don't think Guy Boucher, At this moment, I'm not sure Guy Boucher would let them. No, because even Guy Boucher has come out in the papers and in the media and says that he's getting better every game. And he so which is really odd for Guy Boucher to say that because he's always favored the older, more established players over the young guys. Well, I think Shabbat's forced him to because like if we look at every game, like Shabbat's rarely on the wrong side of the possession play. Shabbat's minutes are going up every game. He played he played twenty two minutes against San Jose. He played eighteen minutes against against Tampa. And, like, the Shabbat-Carlson pairing was mostly playing against Victor Hedman, Nikita Kucherov, Stamkos, and Nemestikov. So he was playing hard minutes, and Carlson and Shabbat together had over 50% of the shot attempts against, quite frankly, the best line in the league. Yeah, and there's been games that we've watched here with Shabbat, and he looks scared, and he looks overpowered by a lot of guys, but I didn't see that in this game. And I thought, wow, this guy is 20 years old and he already looks like a veteran oh we got somebody here who's going to be something good oh he's going to be great and if carlson and shabbat were turning the tide in their favor that means uh some other people weren't and uh you can guess who they were the usual suspects usual suspects in limited ice time colin white actually looked pretty good like from possession wise but he just didn't really get that much time. He played a team least eight minutes. Yeah, and I think that's why I didn't have I don't have him in my notes because I didn't really notice him out there. And like he managed to be possession positive even when he had Burroughs and Gabriel Dumont stapled to his hip. Wow, even with those two, huh? Yeah. Alex Burroughs was a shit heel this game, and it was great. Yeah, this is the Alex Burroughs right I think now. the Senators thought they were gonna get when they traded for him out of Vancouver. Yeah, like, he was just, he was in everyone's face. Like, he fell right into uh, Vasilevsky and drew a huge scrum, and I think he ended up getting the, the the Senators got the power play out of that, too. As much as I don't like Burroughs, when he's being a shitheel, it's effective. Oh, for sure. One note I do have, and I can't remember the name of the defenseman, is it Namastankov? Uh, Namastankov? Namastankov. There, did, now, did you notice that that blatant missed call when he hit Johnny Oduya from behind? Yeah. In the, in the first period? How did the refs not call that? Oh, who fucking knows? Although the good news is, Oduya's hurt now, and he will not be in the lineup. Oh, yeah, he got kicked in the nuts, too. Did he? Yeah, he got kicked in the nuts so hard he left the ice. <laughs> Was yeah, you have to go watch play? that third play that play in the third period it's actually freaking hilarious oh i gotta go back and rewatch that yeah but overall like the Sens were able to weather the tampa storm mm-hmm. and they were able to strike early and often and it was just a dream to watch oh for sure now i have one more note that we can go on before we close it out for another night gotta give a shout out to alex marshall on the Sens dj because after Mark Stone scored in the third period, 
He played the Stone Cold Steve Austin theme. Nice. I love that. I was just like, oh, that's so awesome. We should start doing that. Oh, it's so good. But then I remembered, but wait, there's a fellow who plays for the other Ontario team who has like the similar name. Not important. Ah, fuck, I don't even remember this guy's name. Ah, whatever, he's probably not important anyway. Nope. This game was, at some points it was hard to watch, but it was just, the momentum swings were insane, but it was just, at the end it was just good hard hockey and the Senators won. Yeah, hopefully we can continue this into the games this coming week. Yeah, as much as I was thought I was ready for the tank, I wasn't ready for the tank. And it was just good to watch the Senators just really play. Yeah, I really hope that they can continue this because it's so refreshing to see them with some fire and some passion that they haven't had over the past couple of months. Yeah. I mean, we've had glimpses of it, but it's overall not been there. Mm-hmm. And what's insane is Ottawa's not even that far out. No, it'll be interesting, man. Yeah, they're 10 points back at Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's been on a big slide. The hard thing will just be leapfrogging the other teams. Yeah. Did you see Deed Brown tweeted out before the game, before the Lightning game, that Chris Kunitz only has one game-winning goal in his career, playoffs and regular season? Oh. And then Bonk's mullet retweeted, Who hurt you, Dean? What? Who did this to you? Like, why would he do that? I don't That's know. That's so mean. I wanted to tweet out on our, our Twitter page. I said that uh, we were both in therapy still over that goal. <laughs> Somebody, I think maybe someone like Brian 5 or 6 should have had a picture of, no, Dean, show us on the doll where the man touched you. Dean? Dean, what the fuck? Dean, what are you saying? Yeah, he's like, I was Go having such a good day, Dean. Yeah. So what's the schedule for the week ahead look like? Well, we'll get into that. But first, we've got to head into the close, Tim. If you have any more notes that we should end on. No. I think we've talked that game to death. All right. Let's head into the close. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you enjoy them because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you especially when the Sens win. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsenscast. Because our bud Dave, formerly the host of Maple Syrup Shots, made the mention, you can find us on Google Play Music. We are also on Twitter, at thirdlineplug is our show's Twitter handle. Tim is at m901honeybadger. I am at greatwhitegipster, g-r-8-w-i-t-e, gipster. If you want to shoot us an email about these games, talk about how I how Dean hurt you, or you just want to shoot us an email to bullshit in general, please shoot us an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Now, Tim, because you were being such an impatient bastard about the week coming ahead, we've only got two games on the schedule. We've got Tuesday versus the Chicago Blackhawks, and Wednesday, the Battle of Ontario, behind enemy lines in Toronto, Ontario, on Wednesday night. Hopefully we'll actually find out who that fellow is that, you know... Stone Cold thing. I don't know. Ah, fuck, it's probably not important anyway. Uh, I guess we could always ask TSN. Yeah, we could probably ask him. <laughs> ask if it, who what this fellow had for breakfast, or what time he what sneezed, is, or... What his favorite underwear are. Who know? What time does he go for a bowel movement? 10 o'clock. 
Hashtag Dump Bros. Hey, Alright. Alright, guys. Until next week, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jancy. Go Sands, guys. My time here is up. They're going home!